Uh, name me two other bands in Cincinnati that can do that. Holy mackerel. Unbelievable. Now, I have a question for you. Was that secular? Don't anybody say yes. Yeah. Unbelievable. Wouldn't that, see, take a song, bring it into a worship time, right? It's not sinful, it's sacred. So that's awesome. Unbelievable. I got goosebumps when they're playing that. That's how good they are. And Gordon, man. Woo! Ah, it is so fun. You're sitting in a restaurant. I was sitting at um, five guys, five guys, right? And I heard that song come on and I say, oh, our band can do that. Our band can play that. And they can. I had two or three people out in the foyer before the service started. Couldn't tell the difference between the recording and our band. So, ah, good stuff. Good stuff. Now, I want to pick up right where we left off. Now, I know I wasn't here last week. Ron was here, but I still want to pick up with, with the first three sermons, okay, first two and then Ron, and the same, same kind of spirit-filled attitude that we had over the last three weeks, I want to continue this morning. So are you ready? You ready? No, that's, come on. So are you ready? All right, right. So we're not afraid to say amen. We're not afraid to kind of, you know, if you, if you hear something, come on. So if you need to hear something you like, you know what I'm saying, like that song, give a little bit, it was good. Hey, real fast. Um, this, uh, I'm going to be talking about next week's going to be a great time to invite folks. Okay. I know it's spring break this week. A lot of people are gone, but call people, let them know they got to be back next week and bring some people with them because we're going to talk about how we're serving both locally and globally. And I'm going to share some of the things that we did on our trip, like setting up the aquaponic system in Nigeria, which was nothing short of inspiring. Not only for those of us who went and actually built it, but for the people there. They've never seen anything like that before in their lives. And it was amazing to watch them as we built that. So we're going to be talking about what we're doing locally, serving, globally serving. So next week is one of those services where you could bring someone and they'll just sit back and say, is that a church? Number one, you see the new artwork out there in the foyer? See that new art? You go, if you haven't seen the new artwork, go out there and check it out. And some of you are coming in saying, why is there art out in the foyer? Because we're talking about this in this series. We're talking about erasing the lines. The fact that we have the sacred, that's real. The sinful is real, but the secular does not exist. Okay, it's something that Plato basically made up, a philosophy that he made up that's infiltrated the church. So this is going to be uh, this whole series is just a great opportunity um, to encourage people to be involved. And next week's a great time to encourage friends and neighbors, co-workers, those kinds of things. Yet one of the ex- most exciting things that happened, I could share with you this morning that happened on this trip is they had we had some dancers every year we go there. They have like the native dancers that come in and do some amazing dances and they pull you out and you have to do your kind of dance. And and uh, one of the most amazing, exciting things happened is one of the guys said, you're the best boutique dancer we've ever seen. Boturi means white person, white, white man, okay? And I said, I'm the best dancer on two continents, you know what I'm saying? Watch I, gave, I gave them this move, they were amazed. They were like, yeah, I was saying, yeah. Put that to some drum beat, I'm, it was bad, I was really bad. I'm going to tell you something else too, every move that Michael Jackson has, he stole from Africa, all right? You know that move in, uh, what's it, um, what's a real famous um, thriller, okay, this move, that move like there? That was, that's a Fulani dance. They actually did that. The guy was like, and I'm like, wait a second. You stole, no, you didn't steal from Michael Jack. He stole it from you. You know, they stole, break dancing, stolen. Okay. All of it stolen from Africa. You go there and watch these dances and you're going, wait a second. 
They didn't make that up in the inner cities of L.A. They made that up in Nigeria or Kenya or some other place. So just to let you know. But I am the best dancer on two continents, so I know. Yes. Yes. I have testimony, too. I have testimony. Hopefully no, hopefully no video, but testimony to, to back it up. So we, so we know, I was saying, let's, let's stay in the spirit of the last couple of weeks. We know who we are, right? We are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. We have been shown mercy, so we know who we are. We know who we are. We know why we're here, you know, to declare him who brought us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And then we also, we've demolished a roadblock to our spiritual growth, to our spiritual development by eliminating the concept of the, of, of the secular. Right? A couple weeks ago, we eliminated the concept of the secular. It's going to take a little while for that to kind of, to kind of sink in. That's why I want these guys to keep on bringing songs in that are, that are good songs. Just good songs. A good song is sacred. Okay? It's not sinful, therefore it's sacred. It's not secular what you just heard. The artwork out in the foyer is not secular artwork. If we take it back down to the, uh, some of the art places that we took it from, like the art galleries in Cincinnati, uh, you know, Drew Nyer has, is my son-in-law. He's got an art gallery down there. A lot of the things came out of his art gallery. It's not secular there and sacred here. It's sacred everywhere, no matter where he does it. All right. We're trying to break down those those barriers. I'll tell you what, some of you people are talented when it comes to art. Absolutely amazing. God given talent. So we demolish the uh, the roadblock to our spiritual growth by eliminating the concept of secular. This morning, I want to continue our series, Be You, bringing Christ into your sphere of influence, basically talking about how we can be how we can be prayerful in our community, the power of prayer in our community, radical prayer. Some of the things that we want to do, if we're not if we're not prayerful people, if we don't pray, if we're not going to be prayer warriors, we're not going to see the kind of change that we want to see in our church, in our community. So this morning, I want to talk about how we can how we can show the power of prayer in our community, how we can truly uh, love people into the kingdom of God. In Colossians chapter four, verses two through six, it says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for whom I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may, uh, you may know how to answer everyone. God is calling us as the body of Christ to care for and to pray for those in our sphere of influence while we look for opportunities to declare the praises of him who brought us out of darkness into his wonderful light. We need to be praying for people. All all the people around us, we need to be people of prayer. We need to pray for those in our sphere of influence. If we want to see transformation take place, it will not be by the power of us as individuals. It will be by the power of the Holy Spirit working through us as individuals and as a church. Put simply, the goal that we have as a church is to establish the presence of Jesus Christ in every neighborhood, in every workplace, in every school in our community. That's what we're after. That's what we're after. To establish the presence of Jesus Christ in every sphere of influence. You see, the power of prayer happens when a family starts praying for their neighborhood and their neighbors. When you as a family start sitting down and saying, you know, we need to pray for our neighbors 
That's when the power, that's when you see the power of prayer. When a school teacher, when a school teacher starts praying for his or her students and the students' parents, the family, a school teacher before school starts starts praying for those in their in, in his or her classroom. It's when an owner of a company begins to pray for the people in that company, the employees in his or her company. You're down on your knees in the morning and you're, and you're praying for the people that will be walking through the door. It's when a, when, a, when a manager begins to pray for the people in their department, the employees in their department, and the customers who are walking through the door and the vendors that they're dealing with every day. That's when you see the power of prayer. It's when a group of men begin to pray for businesses in their own community. And you know, we're doing that right now. This is not just talk. This is not something well, I'm going to talk about prayer now during this series, because that's something we're all Christians. Let's talk about prayer we're, I want to do this because I want to show you that the power of prayer transforms people's lives. And, the, and there are men in this church who get up at seven o'clock in the morning. We have a Bible study on Wednesdays at seven o'clock in the morning over in the, in the church offices. And at the end of the month, the last Wednesday of the month, we pick a local business and we're going to hit every single business in downtown Mason that will allow us to come there and pray for them. We pick a local business and we pray for them. We pray for the, for the owners. We pray for the people who work there. We invest and we pray. We get there at 7, 7.30 in the morning and we just, we just surround them with prayer. And it's powerful what God is doing. I have a letter. Mike and Kathy Benkin, a lot of you know them. They go to our church. They came to Christ about six years ago. After a trip to Nigeria, they started coming to Grace Chapel and got saved that Easter. And so we went over and prayed for them. And this is just a letter that they wrote after. We didn't ask them for it. They just, there's actually two letters. I'm going to read you one of them. It says this. Hello, dear friends. This morning was awesome. Jeff and his prayer warriors started showing up a little after 730. Lindsay, who's their uh, their their uh, their daughter, had come just a little early with Rachel, who's their granddaughter, who had cancer. We were all praying for her for, for years. A little girl with cancer. Of course, she did not want to get out of bed that that early in the morning until Lindsay told her that there was something special going on in the greenhouse. Is it Santa? She asked eagerly. No, we are going to uh, to we're going to the greenhouse to pray. With that, Rachel said, good, that means Jesus will be there. So that was a great start to the morning. Once all the men were there, Jeff instructed them to spread out throughout the greenhouse area, praying for the business, specifically for our family, the vendors, the employees, and the people who would walk through the door. It was so beautiful to see these men bowing their heads in prayer. A few employees were, were already in, were busy taking care of their jobs. And, it, and uh, as I said earlier, and she talked about this before, my two sons and two other employees were in Columbus. So only two employees were able to join us, but it did not matter as we listened to each individual pray for us and the business, our employees and our customers. One gentleman was emotionally moved to tears as he realized who this little girl was, the Rachel that he had been lifting up in prayer for almost three and a half years. Here, was, here she was running and playing and riding her bike like a normal little girl should. It was so touching to hear his earnest prayer thanking God for this gift. I asked uh, for specific guidance as we deal with issues running, running a business with families so closely intertwined. Michael prayed for these men who came and, uh, and for all the blessings God had given us. Our dear Mark, who has worked for our company for over 10 years and is challenged mentally, said that he would, it would be great if we could do this again every two weeks. He even was bold enough to ask for prayer for his niece who had an ear infection. The entire experience was very humbling. I believe this, this is truly the Lord's way of nudging us closer in our walk with Christ. If, you, if I had to sum it up in just a few words, it would be, we felt loved, Mike and Kathy. 
You know, when you pray for people, it, it changes their lives. When we start to pray for businesses in our community, when the business community knows that Grace Chapel is not just here to have worship services on Sunday morning and do things on the campus right here, but we, we, we care about the tattoo guy downtown and we care about the coffee place downtown and we care about all the different businesses downtown, we actually care about them. They're a part of our community and we want to pray for them. When they see that, the church becomes relevant it matters. What we want to do is be, be a church that, in such a way that if we disappeared, the, the community would care. They'd actually care. They'd say, no, 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 that church can't go away. That's the church that prays. That's the church that cares. That's the church that feeds. That's the church that engages in individuals' lives. That's what we're talking about. Praying for people, praying for businesses, praying all, for our entire community. As a church, we want to cover our community in prayer. And we'll talk about how we're going to do that at the very end. But we, we really want to cover our community in prayer. We need to do this where we most relate to people outside of the church, non-Christians, non-believers, whatever you want to call them. We need to start there. And so if your primary relationships are at work or your primary relationships are at school or in your neighborhood or on your child's team, then that's the best place to start. You build those relationships. You begin to invest in people's lives. As we begin to pray uh, for those around us, there are two passages that I think are very good to help, that will help us and guide us through this process. One is Colossians 4, 2 through 6, which I read earlier. And the other is Luke chapter 10, verses 5 through 9. Those two scriptures will be our guide. In Luke chapter 10, verses 5 through 9, it says this. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone, who, uh, some, if, if someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever you, they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcome, eat whatever is offered to you. Heal the sick. Who are, who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. So those two scriptures will help guide us as we talk about how we can pray for our community. In Luke chapter 10, verses 5 and 6, it tells us to pray for peace, that we should bless those around us, that we should be blessing the businesses and blessing the people in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, that we should somehow bless them, encourage them, pray for peace. So let's get practical because, you know, if we don't get practical, if we don't get specific, then really it just come in one year out the other. So what are some practical ways that we can show we can be a blessing? We can bring peace into the lives of those around us in our workplace or whatever else. Well, first off, you can take notice of when the people at school or in your workplace are struggling personally. You ever thought about this? OK, you ever thought about something like this? Say you're, you're you got your cubicle going on over here and, and John's over here and John seems to be a little down. Something's wrong with him. He's just not the same. He's, he's quiet. And you pick up on that because you're looking for it. Hey, John, what's going on? Well, we found out yesterday Nancy has breast cancer and gosh, and they have three little kids. And you know that he's got them all on his desk and you say, oh, aren't they cute and everything the last couple of years. And now his wife has breast cancer and they're really struggling. 
Wouldn't it be absolutely mind-boggling if you said to John, Hey, John, listen, I know you guys are going through a lot. Let, let, me, let, me, let me plan on making some meals for you. I'll talk to a few other people. We like it. We like to, as a church or just whatever you have you want to do it, we like to make some meals for you for the next month because it's going to be hard enough taking care, taking care of your wife as it is with the three kids. The last thing you need to be worrying about is meals and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and now what, what happens there is some of, some of you, or you know, Christians will only think, Wait a second. We, we do that at church. You don't do that at work. You, don't, you make meals for people in your small group. But you don't, certainly don't, you know, life group. That's what we do in our life groups. We don't do that outside of our life groups. We don't make meals for people outside of the life group. Well, let me ask you a question. Is it sinful to make meals for people at work? Anybody? That's sinful? If it's not sinful, it's sacred, correct? If it's sacred, it's ministry. It's, it's, it's a ministry of God. God is pleased with that act. Of, 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 it's a sacred act that you're doing for the people at work. So if it's a sacred act and God is pleased with that area of ministry, remember, erase the lines. Remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about it, last few weeks, erase the lines. If you're doing ministry to someone, God is pleased. It's a sacred act of worship. And so therefore, that's something we should be doing. And the reason we sometimes don't is, you know, you know, it's work and we don't do that at work. And if I could get if I could get John to come to church and get him plugged into a small group, you know, by that time, his wife's, you know, cured or whatever may happen. But no one's reaching out to John and hey, I'm really sorry to hear, John, I'll pray for you. Well, OK, that's good. But you know what? The first thing in prayer is, is telling us the Bible tells us to, to bless that person, to pray, pray, pray peace upon that person's household. How can they have peace if we're not doing anything practically to reach out to them so we can pray for them and the first thing we do in prayer is think of ways that we can bless them and you can come up with all kinds of ways that you can bless people so pray for peace for these people's homes that 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 their homes would be surrounded by peace the people live in the homes would which would sense god's peace just say may god's peace be on this house pray over them pray over their house or you can memorize numbers chapter 6 verse 24 through 26 which you've heard before it says the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face to shine upon you the lord lift up his countenance upon you okay remember you know that verse and give you what what does it say and give you peace so we can pray that over people at work. We can pray that over people in school. We can pray that over people in our neighborhoods. We pray for them. Pray for them daily. Think about this. And I'm going to share this again in greater detail at the end of how I want us to do this. But if you eat three meals a day, right? That means you're basically eating 21 times uh, during the week. And so if during that mealtime you're praying for that, that you know, you're praying for people in your neighborhood, that means you can pray for 21 of your neighbors. You choose 21 neighbors that you're going to pray for, and you pray for each one of them at every meal. And this, you know, it's this family, the Joneses at breakfast and the Smiths, you know, at lunch and, you know, so-and-so at dinner. And you pray for them. You can cover 21 families throughout the week just by having meals together and reminding each other, you know, when you're, when you're going to, when you're eating lunch in school, whatever, make sure you're praying for and pray for them. It's amazing the opportunities that God opens up when we begin to truly pray for people in our community, the people around us. And as you get to know them, you get to invest in people's lives, your prayers can become more specific. And I'll tell you something. When you start to pray for people individually in your neighborhood, at work or at school, something happens. You begin to, you begin to look for opportunities to pray for them on a deeper level because there's, something, there's nothing more intimate okay, in life than praying. Nothing. 
more intimate in life than praying for someone. And you cannot be praying for someone and not connect with them and say, hey, how are you doing or how are things going? Or look at their lives and see other ways you can pray for them. Your neighbor down the street, you know, you hear something's going. They lost a child or they lost their parents. And because you're praying for them, now you're more aware of it. You send them a little note in the mail. We're so sorry to hear. They didn't even know that you kind of knew them. But they get a note or you bring something over and say, hey, I'm really sorry for your loss. Because now you're engaged and your prayers become more specific. You start to maybe see your neighbor out mowing instead of going back in your house and saying, oh, deal with that neighbor. All of a sudden you walk over and you strike up a conversation. Hey, if you ever need anything, you know, we're right down. We're three doors down and just wanted to come and connect and get to know you. See, you, your prayers become more specific. And that's what God wants. In Luke chapter 10, verses 7 and 8, it tells us to it encourages us to develop relationships with people. The relationships with people around us. And that means our neighbors, obviously, they're all around us. See, most Christians come to Christ through a significant relationship that they have with someone else. If I had you raise your hand and I said, you know, who led you to the Lord? It's most likely a significant relationship that you had in your life. You know, some people are watching Billy Graham on TV and come to Christ that way. But the reality is most people come to Christ because of a relationship in their lives. And this is why we need to develop relationships with our neighbors, with our friends, with our, listen, with our clients, with our vendors, with the people, the, the customers that come into your business. You need to begin to develop relationships with all those people, the employees, all those people, because this the relationship that you build may be the relationship that draws that person to Christ. And the UPS guy that comes, I thought about the UPS guys that come in. They come, the same guys come to the church all the time. Same UPS guys. And I was writing this, I was thinking, man, you know what? Next time the UPS guys, I was going to talk to Lisa and some of the other staff about this. Let, let's have something ready so when the UPS guy comes in, hey, sign this. Right. You know, I don't even know the guy's name. It's all I know is just he's a sign it guy. You know, I, I'm sitting in my office. And he comes in with a little thing and I write it down. And he leaves. Hey, how you doing? Bye bye. That's it. Next time he comes in, we'll have something ready for him. Some cookies or a drink or whatever the case may be. And a little note that says, hey, we, we appreciate you. We're praying for you and your family. So he knows when he comes into this church, when he comes into this area, and he goes to all these other businesses. But when he comes here, it's going to be something different. He will feel the presence of God. He will know that we may only be real quick because he wants to be in and out, that we care about him. We know who he is and we care about enough about him to pray for him, to pray for his family. And maybe he comes in, we sign, and he goes, hey, could you guys pray for my, uh, my, my uncle or my cousin or my wife or my children? Uh, they're having some problems. You know, his name is, you know, his, his, my son's name is Jeffrey and blah, 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 blah. Can you pray? That'll, that'll, that, will, that's, that will transpire throughout the time if you will pray for them and engage them in that kind of relationship. And can I say this also? That before you run out and because obviously we want to share, ultimately share the love of Christ with people. That's what we're talking about here. Ultimately, we want to share the love of Christ. But before you really share the love of Christ, most of the time you need to you need to have a relationship with people. Now, you know, if you, you may be on the elevator on your way up the elevator and you can share Christ in a you know, real fast kind of thing. But most people come to Christ through relationships. So we need to develop friendships and relationships with people before we share the gospel with them. Find areas of commonality. And I'm not trying to lay out a program, but I'm just saying, just be yourself. Just be, be who you were created to be. Be you. Right? That's our series. Be you. Be yourself. Be the person that God created you to be. And find areas of commonality. Some of you are really, some of you are really good at this. 
I mean, you, you know, you came to Christ maybe through Grace Chapel, but every, every team that you're on, your neighborhood, you're always bringing people in. You're always trying to, trying to connect people, always picking kids up with your kids and bringing them to youth group. You're just really good at this because you're finding areas of commonality. We, we can do that through our, and we have impact groups here at Grace Chapel. Impact groups are groups of like-minded students. We have an athletic impact group of probably 70, 50, 60, 70 students in there because they love sports and they come and listen to different speakers and we have leaders there and they're building relationships. One of the things that we're doing really soon on April the 17th, we're kicking off a Sunday morning uh, group for a junior high and high school students. And we're going to figure out ways that we can serve people in our community, but really ways we can feed people here and around the world, that we can meet the needs of people here and around the world in an environmentally friendly way. And I'm not talking about global warming or anything like that, nothing political. I'm talking about the whole green movement's pretty big, wouldn't you say? The whole green movement. You know, the church has been left behind when it comes to environmentally being environmentally friendly. They think of us as kind of like, you know, we're against the environment or something. I, the, the outside world thinks that way. How, how is that even possible that we are believers? And in Genesis tells us that God created and God tells us we're responsible for taking care of that which he created. Should not we be on the front lines of the environmental movement here? What a phenomenal way for us as a church to reach out to our community by doing things that are mind-boggling. Like, for example, the aquaponics that we're putting back here in our children's area. The one we're probably going to build behind the yellow house here on our property. The one we have at the Bankins greenhouses, fluorescent greenhouses. The one we just built in Nigeria. The things that we want to do creatively on this property with, with, that are environmentally friendly. The things we've done environmentally friendly already on this property over the last uh, seven or eight years. This is a phenomenal way for us as believers to find common ground with the world around us and say, hey, join us because we're actually doing something and not just talking about doing something. And our students are going to lead the way. And if that's something you really enjoy, you enjoy that, you know, getting out there and maybe using your gifts and abilities to create new ways where we can feed the hungry and take care of those that are hurting in an environmentally friendly way, then this is a great thing for you to be involved in with our students. It'll be on Sunday mornings during second service starting April 17th. If you're a student and you're excited about something I, that, what I just described, make sure you connect with, with Brian Munafar, our youth pastor, and he'll get you connected to, uh, to that ministry. But those are excellent ways. Um, you know, another way is to invite your friends to our spring seminars. In your family news bulletin, there's a, there's a flyer about the spring seminars coming up. You know what we're doing, though? I love you to death. I really do. And I want to, I want to teach the church how to, uh, how to really connect with your, your teenagers. It's a great thing that Deb and I will be able to teach you, you know, invest, how we can invest in your life. Uh, helping you with your finances is, is important. Helping you grow, you know, things is important. But you know what? One of the biggest reasons we're doing that is it's a great way for you to invite people to a church in a non-threatening way. Your neighbor in the backyard, he loves gardening. And Mike Bankin's going to come, who owns uh, Bankin Forest and Greenhouses, and show us how we can do above-ground gardening and things like that. It's a very natural way, something you enjoy, something they enjoy, to introduce them to Christ. Jesus spent a lot of his time building relationships. You know, eating with people and, and connecting and drinking with them. And, and we need to follow his lead. We, we really need to have an incarnational philosophy. I've talked about this before. It's a big word, but basically what it means is when Jesus was here on earth, how did he do ministry? He connected with people. 
Obviously connected with his disciples, but he also connected with Pharisees and Sadducees, the rich, the poor, the afflicted, government officials, tax collectors, prostitutes. Same message, but a different approach. And that's all I'm advocating. Everyone here is different. Whatever, wherever you live and whatever, wherever you work, wherever you go to school, whatever, wherever neighborhood you live in, find commonality with those around you and be Jesus to them. It's the same message, sharing the love of Christ, but just take a different approach. I will start, we as a church will start a, a, a tiddlywink group if we have to. If we got 50 people in our community who like to play tiddlywinks, we'll give you a room and you can play tiddlywinks with your heart's content. If that is exciting for some people, it's not exciting for me, but if it's exciting for some people, tiddlywink all you want, baby. Have a great time. You know, get in that room, talk about tiddlywinks, have a tiddlywink championship, whatever you want to do. But as long as you're connecting with people and you're, and you're sharing the love of Christ with those people, that's what's important. Spirituality, you know, it, it's, a, it's a, a very sensitive for some people, personal and intimate topic. So we need to build relationships and meet their felt needs. Because in our culture today, you need to earn the right to be heard. There are some people you can just bring it up and start talking about it. But there are other people, you know what, it, they feel uncomfortable, you know. So what you need to do is you need to invest in their lives. You need to meet their felt needs. I guarantee you, if you go, if, if your wife starts driving John's wife to, to the doctor to get her chemo, chemo appointment to her chemo appointment for breast cancer and you're bringing meals over their house, guess what? You just earn the right to be heard. Hey, man, uh, you know, Pete, why would you... No one else in the office, every, they didn't even care. They didn't even think about it. All they said was, keep up with your work, John. Keep up with your work. You basically helped me with my project so I could keep up. You're bringing meals over. Your wife's taking my wife to the doctor. Why would you do that? Right? Why would you do that? Well, let me, let me tell you why I would do that. You know, he's not going to go, oh, don't start talking about Jesus. That's not what he's going to do. You earn the right to be heard. He's going to, even if he doesn't, you know, you're not going to shove anything down someone's throat. You're just going to share what's on your heart. And I guarantee you, John's going to appreciate it. John's going to listen to what you have to say. We as believers need to be open and honest with our neighbors. We need to be authentic. You know, authentic and, and, and do normal things to get to know people. You know, this is not the only place where you can invite people to get connected to Christ is on Sunday morning. There are a lot of other things that we're trying to do. Over the next few months, you're going to, you're going to hear about the Grace Impact Center, not until you're sick, until you're so excited you can't, you can't stand it anymore. The Grace Impact Center is 40,000 square feet of pure outreach to our community. We're going to finish that front section. We're, we're already having like Sunday night soccer for adults. We're doing Zumba. You know, I, yeah, come on. Yeah. We're doing Zumba, and, and just so you know, I had someone last, uh, two weeks ago came in, and they said, um, yeah, I just want to check the church out because I started doing Zumba classes, and, uh, and I saw that your church here, and uh, so now, um, now I'd like to, and I, I was so excited, you know, someone's doing Zumba, and they say, if I'm going to do Zumba over here, I might as well maybe come to church here, right? That's normal. That's good. That's what you want to do. Hey, I play, I, I play soccer on Sunday night, so I just thought I'd come over and check it out at Easter or check it out at Christmas, see what was going on over here. Since I'm over this building, not, it's a short walk from that building to this building. That's what we're looking at, trying to reach out to the love of Jesus Christ. 
with the love of and being authentic, being you, you be you, just be who God created you to be. If you love to teach Zumba, teach Zumba. If you like soccer, we'll do that. The basketball court, we've got that. Whatever it is you enjoy doing, we're going to finish off that building, the whole entire building, 40,000 square feet of pure invite your friends and have a blast. That's what it is, right? Sports are sacred. Am I right? Only nothing wrong with sports until you start cussing at the coach, right? Right? You're like, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> that's right, exactly. Sports are sacred. Zumba is sacred, right? Soccer is sacred. They're all sacred. It's all good stuff. God loves it. God loves sports. God loves music. God loves it all. And it's all sacred. And we can use those opportunities to draw people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Just be real with them. Be real with them. Encourage them and be real with them. Luke ten nine tells us, it says to heal the sick. You know, as you get to know people better, they're going to trust you, right? They're going to trust you. They're going to start sharing things about maybe a loss they had in their life or an illness that's going on in their family or something that's going on at school, an emotional struggle they're facing or something they're facing at work. They're going to start getting deeper and sharing. And it's that time that we need to show the most compassion. And the most compassionate thing you can do for someone is to pray for them. And if you feel comfortable and they feel comfortable, maybe you can stop and pray for them right there. Right there, wherever you're standing, at work or whatever else. Maybe just take them aside and really quick, just pray for them. If they don't feel comfortable, if you don't feel comfortable, tell them that you're going to pray for them during your normal time of prayer. You know, tonight at dinner or whatever it is before I go to bed, I'm going to make sure I'm praying for you. Our desire is, is for us to reach out to our neighborhoods with the love of Jesus Christ and introduce them to Christ. Colossians 4, 4 says this, Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Now, some of you are thinking, you know what? You, you know, Pastor, I appreciate that, but so and so at work would never come to Christ. Well, I'll be honest with you. I thank God that you're not my friend then, because if that was your attitude when, it, when I was 17 years old, I'd either be dead now or in prison. Because if you looked at me in 17 years with the way I looked, the way I dressed, the way I talked, the way I acted, all right, you'd say that guy would never come to Christ. I'm not even going to bring it up. All he'll do is cuss at me, whatever the case may be. And if that was your attitude for me, if you were my friend, I'm telling you, I'd be dead or in prison. Those are my two options. But someone was bold enough to come up to me and invite me and share the love of Jesus Christ with me. And my life has changed forever, was changed forever. We need to believe, my friends, that God will do miracles through our prayers. Jesus said, remember what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, in the context of, of, of doing the will of God, sharing the love of Jesus Christ. Here's what he says. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Listen, he will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may, be, may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. When we pray according to the will of God, miracles will happen. The person that you least think would come to Christ is a person who will come to Christ. The person in youth group, and I was a youth pastor, who, who, who had the most aggressive questions. Well, if there's a God, then why this? And if there's a God, then why that? You know, who, you know what they became? They became the leaders of the youth ministry in about a year. They were the leaders. You know who was the least effective person? The person who sat in their hands and said absolutely nothing. The nice person. They just sat there. Didn't have any questions. Didn't argue about anything. Just kind of sat there. 
They're Christian. You know, they're kind of Christians. They, you know, grew up, whatever else. It was the person who was most aggressive. He thought, oh, man, I don't know why this person's even coming. You know why they're coming? Because they, they, they truly want answers to their questions. The most aggressive people sometimes are the people who desperately need Christ, and they want someone to answer their stinking questions instead of being intimidated by them. They want someone to answer their questions. When they were seven or eight years old, they asked questions in Sunday school. The teacher didn't give them an answer. Oh, I want to ask those questions. Have faith. They want real answers. It's the people who sometimes seem the most aggressive, who have the most need. And when they come to Christ, they're the most passionate people that you want to be around. And they're sharing Christ with everyone because they're not intimidated. Most people are deeply touched, my friends, when you say that you're going to pray for them. Prayer touches lives. You know, we're doing this series a couple of weeks back on conversations with a happy heathen. It's good to know how to share your faith and how to defend your faith and all those kinds of things. But I'll tell you right now, arguments usually don't touch people's hearts. But prayer does. Arguments opens up the heart, but it's prayer. It's compassion, showing people that you care about them that really touches a person's heart. That really moves to that point. So, so, so verse 9 in, in, uh, in Luke chapter 10, verse 9 says that we need to share the love of Jesus Christ. Now, you may be thinking, well, I, I can serve people, um, but sharing my faith, that's a little difficult. I'm not, I'm not sure that I, I really I can do that. How, and how, do I, how do I do something like that? Well, you know, my youth pastor, when I, when I first got saved, I, I asked the same question. Well, I'm not, I'm not uncomfortable, you know, sharing. How do, how do I share? I want to share it with my friends, but I'm not trying to start. He said to me, you know what? Just tell your story. Just tell your story. Tell people how the power of prayer has impacted your life. I had cluster headaches. Anybody ever had a cluster headache? Anybody here? Ever had migraines? Anybody have migraines? You know, migraine times five, okay, is a cluster headache. I had them every year when I was growing up from like 14 to, to 18. I got saved when I was about 18 years old. And I was 19 years old. Those cluster headaches come every summer for me, about the exact same time every, every year, okay? It was like 10 o'clock would roll around, and there they come. As soon as they started, they had the exact same time. And I prayed, God, I, you know, I'm just going to pray by faith that, uh, that you're going to heal me. I'm not going to go get the medicine because I went and got the medicine in May, preparing for June and July. And this year I said, no, I'm not going to get any medicine. And I've never had a headache since then. I've never had one since 19 years old. I'm, I'm 30. I'm four, oh, oh, I wish I was 38. I'm, <laughs> I'm 30. I look good. I'm, I'm, I'm 48, but I look 38. You know what I'm saying? With this tan, especially my tan. Um, but I haven't had a headache since then. Tell your story. Just tell your story. People can't. It's hard to argue with someone who, they're not trying to argue with you. Just share how the power of prayer changed your life, how the love of Christ changed your life. It's, there's, no, there's no magic here to what you have to say. No, you know, the Bible is your book that you read to, to learn how to share Christ. But just tell the story. Tell your story of how you came to know Jesus Christ. That's all you need to do. You know, there, there may be some of you who don't feel ready to step outside of their, 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 comfort, their comfort zone and share Christ. Well, then, you know, what you need to do is, like I just said, share, you know, share the love of Christ and tell your own story. But you, instead of sharing Christ, just, just start praying for the person that you care about and wait for God to open up a door of opportunity. That person, if you start praying for them, they may come to you and ask a question. They will come to you and ask a question that will lead into that conversation and just naturally go into it. Just naturally share your heart with them. You know, there might be some of you saying, man, I've been doing this all my life. Well, great. That's awesome. Then you need to be, you need to set an example. You need to lead in this area. You need to show other people how to do it by leading, leading by example. You know, 
All, all I'm really asking you this morning to do is, is go as far as your faith will take you. If that means you can only pray for one or two of your neighbors, great. If it means that you're going to go and you're going to uh, go to work tomorrow and you're going to pray for the vendors at, at work, that's wonderful. If it means you're going to go to school and start praying for your friends at school, perfect. Just go as far as your faith will take you and make sure make sure that you're, 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 you keep moving forward because God, if you just keep doing what you can do, God will open up he, open up your, your heart. God will show you. God will lead you. He will give you an understanding and you'll become more bold. You'll become more compassionate. You'll become more faithful. He'll give you those things. Just do what you can do now. Just keep moving forward. As we close, I want to share an initiative with you that I want, to, that I want, to, I want us to start next week. Okay? Next week, I'm going to bring a map in of our community. I'm not sure how far out I want to go, but I'll get a map of our, basically our community around Grace Chapel. And I want to start adopting, we're going to call it street to street. We're already praying for the businesses around here. We have those covered, but I want to go street to street. I want to get a map of Mason especially, and then maybe surrounding area. And I want each of us to adopt a street. Each person, each family adopt a street. And we're going to pray for that street. We're going to pray for, for, the, for the businesses in downtown Mason and our surrounding area. We're going to pray for our community. And we're going to expect God to do something radical. We're going to expect miracles to happen. We're going to expect business people who would never step foot in church to start coming into church and seeing God through the Holy Spirit work in their lives. We're going to expect miracles to happen in our church. We're going to expect God to do some amazing things far beyond what we could ever ask or imagine because we're going to pray for them. That's what we're going to do. We're going to expect miracles because we pray. We're going to unleash the Holy Spirit on our community. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to redeem okay, this community. We're going to take back what Christ has already redeemed. We're going to restore what Christ has already redeemed. Go back to the secular, sacred, sinful idea. Wipe out the, se- wipe out the secular, okay? Wipe out, wipe that out of your mind. And what we're going to do, God owns it all. Does God not own all of downtown Mason? Does God not own every person in downtown Mason? Does God not own every business in downtown Mason? Now, some of the businesses in downtown Mason may be doing some things that are sinful. But you know what? Christ has already redeemed it all. We need to restore what he has redeemed. And so we're going to go street by street restoring what he's already redeemed. That's what we're going to do. We're going to see our church grow by the power of prayer and by the boldness of people reaching out to their neighbors, their, their school friends, people at work. We're going to see our church grow by that. We're going to see our church grow by just by doing the things that God has called us to do. And, and people say, well, that's not that's not uh, maybe the church growth model, whatever else. But you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to see this church explode through people coming to know Jesus Christ all around our community and see real pe- real people really come to know Christ and see the numbers. God, the Bible says that God added to the numbers those who were being saved and they added to the numbers those who were being saved because the people then were praying for their neighbors. They were blessing their neighbors. They were encouraging their neighbors. They were building relationship with their neighbors and they were sharing the love of Christ with their neighbors and God was adding to their numbers those who were being saved. And that's what I expect at our church. That's what I expect us to do at Grace Chapel. And that's what we're going to do here at Grace Chapel. We're going to we're going to read the word of God. We're going to hold on to the word of God. We're going to believe in miracles that as we pray, let's bow our heads right now. That as we pray, Lord, as we pray, 
as we pray for our neighbors, as we pray for those at work, as we pray for the people in our, in, our, in our community, as we pray for our friends at school, as we pray for our friends on our teams, as we pray for those who walk by our church, we pray for the UPS guy, whatever it is, Lord, as we pray for all those people, that you're, we're, gonna see, we're, gonna, we're going to expect miracles. What we're going to do, Lord God, is we're going to thank you right now in advance. We're going to thank you right now for the lives that, we are, that we're going to see come to know you through our prayers and through our boldness, and through our love, and through our blessing, and through our, and through our courage, Lord. We're going we're to pray right now and thank you in advance for the miracles that we're going to see in the lives of people all over this area because we love you and we follow your word. We've erased the lines, Lord God. We no longer will accept a secular viewpoint that we have to live within that, that framework, that philosophy. We're going to live within the philosophy and the theology that you've given to us. And we're going to change our community. We're going to change ourselves. We're going to change our community. We're going to change this nation with the help of other churches that have the same heart, Lord God, and change our world. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.